It's the 75th anniversary of D-Day. YouTube cracks down on Steven Crowder and other content creators. And Nancy Pelosi says she'd like to see President Trump in jail. Lock him up. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. Man, we have a ton to get to today on the show. Before we get to any of it, first, when the founders crafted the Constitution, the first thing they did was make sacred the rights of the individual to share ideas without limitation by their government. This is pretty important, as you'll see from today's show. The second right they enumerated was the right of the population to protect that speech and their own persons with force. You know how strongly I believe in these principles? I'm a gun owner. Owning a rifle is an awesome responsibility. Building rifles is no different. Started in a garage by a Marine vet more than two decades ago, Bravo Company Manufacturing, BCM for short, builds a professional-grade product which is built to combat standards. I mean, it is very important that you own a gun, and not just a gun that works, but a gun that works when you need it to work. Bravo Company Manufacturing is not a sporting arms company. They design, engineer, manufacture, life-saving equipment. They believe it's their moral responsibility to give you a tool that will not fail the end user when it's not just a paper target, but somebody coming to do them harm. You know, a lot of folks who talk about the Second Amendment and gun manufacture, they talk about hunting or sport shooting. The folks at BCM understand that the real purpose of having a gun is to prevent somebody from encroaching upon your rights or coming to hurt you. And this is why the folks at BCM take their job really seriously. To learn more about Bravo Company Manufacturing, head on over to bravocompanymfg.com. You can discover more about their products, special offers, upcoming news. That's bravocompanymfg.com. If you need more convincing, find out even more about BCM and the awesome people who make their products at youtube.com slash bravocompanyusa. Awesome folks and a great product. youtube.com slash bravocompanyusa for more information. All righty. So today marks the 75th anniversary of D-Day, one of the great pieces of evidence that America is an incredible country, frankly. D-Day, the, the heroism of young men, men who are now half my age, who walked onto beaches, who crawled onto beaches in order to fight off Nazis, in order to fight off fascism, people who disdained and abused human rights, people who wished to dominate a continent with an evil, uh, a continent with an evil ideology. The unbelievable bravery and sacrifice of these people, that day they did more than I will do my entire life. And I had the privilege of sitting down last Sunday with four members of, of the U.S. military at the time of D-Day who talked about their experiences. One of those men that we sat down with on our Sunday special, you can listen to it over at YouTube or if you download the show. The, one, one of those men is the guy who you've seen on the news who's parachuting in at the age of 97, Tom Price. Re, Tom Rice, rather. Really, really good guy, obviously. Well, one of the other folks that, that sat down with us was a fellow named Jack Gutman. I want to play a little bit of the Sunday special because when you hear what these men went through in order to preserve our liberty, it should remind us how precious those liberties are and how heroic so many have been in defense of those liberties. I, uh, I saw bodies floating. I saw body on the, all, on, all on the beach, body parts all over, and it was so tough to, uh, I mean, be confronted. I've seen blood and so forth and other things, but I tell people, have you seen Saving Private Ryan? Well, I says, just kind of double that a little bit because the one thing Private Ryan didn't show was all the body parts laying around. And in my mind was flashing through, there's a son, a father, that won't be coming home. That was the sacrifice that was made on that day to preserve our freedoms. That particular 
veteran, Jack Gutman, then went on to serve at the Battle of Okinawa as a medic. I mean, just enormous heroism of this entire generation that went overseas to fight for America's constitutional liberties here at home. I'm going to read you the order that General Dwight Eisenhower, who's the head of the Allied Forces, sent on the day of June 6, 1944. To give a little bit of backstory for people who don't know, you know why all this happened, France fell to the Nazis in 1940. This is from archives.gov. The Allies planned a cross-channel invasion on the German occupying forces, ultimately codenamed Operation Overlord. By May 1944, almost 2.9 million Allied troops were amassed in southern England. It was the largest armada in history, made up of more than 4,000 American, British, and Canadian ships and more than 1,200 planes. Against a tense backdrop of uncertain weather forecasts, disagreements in strategy, and related timing dilemmas, Eisenhower decided before dawn on June 5th to proceed with Operation Overlord. Later that same afternoon, he scribbled a note intended for release, accepting responsibility for the decision to launch the invasion and full blame should the effort to create a beachhead on the Normandy coast fail. This had not been the first attempted invasion of the coast Uh, the coast of Normandy, actually, Uh, there was something called the Battle of Dieppe that had happened a few months earlier, which was sort of an experimental attempt to see what would happen in case of an amphibious invasion. It was deliberately designed not to become a beachhead. It was deliberately designed to learn. I mean, that in itself is worthy of an entire episode, the Battle of Dieppe. Much more polished in his printed order of the day for June 6, 1944, uh, than, than his original order. He originally scribbled a note intended for release accepting that responsibility. Uh, Here is what he wrote to all of the men who are about to invade the most heavily guarded area basically on planet Earth. Here is what Dwight Eisenhower wrote. He wrote, soldiers, sailors, and airmen of the Allied Expeditionary Force, you're about to embark upon a great crusade toward which we have striven these many months. The eyes of the world are upon you. The hopes and prayers of liberty-loving people everywhere march with you. In company with our brave allies and brothers in arms on other fronts, you will bring about the destruction of the German war machine, the elimination of Nazi tyranny over the oppressed peoples of Europe, and security for ourselves in a free world. Your task will not be an easy one. Your enemy is well-trained, well-equipped, and battle-hardened. He will fight savagely. But this is the year 1944. Much has happened since the Nazi triumphs of 1940 and 41. The United Nations have inflicted upon the Germans great defeats in open battle, man-to-man. Our air offensive has seriously reduced their strength in the air and their capacity to wage war on the ground. Our home fronts have given us an overwhelming superiority in weapons and munitions of war and placed at our disposal great reserves of trained fighting men. The tide has turned. The free men of the world are marching together to victory. I have full confidence in your courage, devotion to duty, and skill in battle. We will accept nothing less than full victory. Good luck, and let us all beseech the blessing of Almighty God upon this great and noble undertaking. And the battle itself was absolute carnage. Absolute carnage. The D-Day beach landings were chaotic and bloody. If you ever watch Saving Private Ryan or you watch a movie called The Longest Day, you can see what this was like, at least in, in mild effect. The first wave of landing forces suffered terrible losses, particularly U.S. troops at Omaha Beach and the Canadian divisions at Juneau Beach, according to History.com. Thanks to raw perseverance and grit, the Allies overcame these grave initial setbacks and took all five Normandy beaches by nightfall on June 6th. The Germans were so stunned by the attack that they had not fully mobilized to defend the coast. They thought that it was actually a feint. The first Allied cemetery in Europe was dedicated just two days after the D-Day invasion on June 8th, 1944. Again, I refer you to the Sunday special we just did last week in which I interviewed one of the men who was in charge of graves. Like it was his job to bury men and ship bodies back home. Since that day, military officials and memorial organizations have tried to come up with a definitive count of Allied D-Day deaths in order to properly honor those who made the ultimate sacrifice. According to the National D-Day Memorial Foundation, there are 4,414 names 
enshrined in bronze plaques representing every Allied soldier, sailor, airman, and Coast Guardsman who died on D-Day. That figure was the result of years of exhaustive research. John Lung, who's the director of education, says when the memorial was first being planned in the late 1990s, there were wildly different estimates. German casualties on D-Day were somewhere between 4,000 and 9,000 killed, wounded, or missing. The Allies captured 200,000 German prisoners of war. Thousands of troops perished during the initial phases of the months-long Normandy campaign. Now, it's pretty astonishing today. I mean, it just shows you where the head is at for, for the Russian government. The Ministry of Foreign Affairs for the Russian government put out a tweet saying that D-Day basically didn't matter, that what actually mattered was the, the Eastern Front. Well, the Eastern Front mattered an awful lot, obviously. The Red Army holding back Hitler was an enormous factor in Hitler's eventual loss. But let's recall that the Soviets were on the side of Hitler all the way up until the point that Hitler actually invaded the Soviet Union. The Soviet Union was being held up by lend-lease materials provided by the United States. The United States was fighting off Japan, which was at the other flank of the Soviet government. So when people discount the contribution of the United States in World War II, they are just being fully dishonest as the Russian government is today, obviously. The contributions of the United States to victory in Europe cannot be overstated. The contributions of the British and the Canadians and the Australians and all the Allied forces to the, to the victory in Europe cannot be overstated. And the contribution of, of folks who were not even accorded their full rights in the United States yet. And there are a lot of folks today who are rightly paying tribute to the Tuskegee Airmen. Yashar Ali has a great thread over at Twitter talking about the Tuskegee Airmen who went off to fight the Nazis, even though they were still subjected to segregation and racism because obviously segregation was still a part of American life in really deep and abiding ways. And the reason that so many people went to fight the Nazis, even people who were marginalized in American society, is because they understood that the promise of America was great and important and worth fighting for, and that the rights of the Constitution and the dreams of the Declaration of Independence are good and true and eternal. And those things had to stand up in the face of withering fire from evil regimes ranging from the Japanese Imperial Empire to Nazi Germany. Now, that's a heroism that obviously we need to always remember and continue celebrating, particularly as the, the greatest generation dies off. I mean, unfortunately, it's, it's hard to find World War II veterans these days because many of them are, are so old. There are very few remaining survivors from the beaches of Normandy. That's why it was such a privilege to speak with some of them on the Sunday special. We should remember that. We should also remember that there are people who are committing acts of great heroism today. The members of the U.S. military today are no different than the members of the U.S. military back then. When I talked with these veterans of Normandy about America, and I said, what's your hope for America? They always pointed to the members of the U.S. military today who are volunteering in, who are doing something that I was not brave enough to do. The, the, these, are, these are people who are doing something incredible every single day. And we should take off our hats to those folks. We should pay tribute to those folks because they are standing in the tradition, the greatest tradition of America, which is standing for freedom ready to answer freedom's call with their life if need be. America remains the great liberator. America remains the great beacon of light. D-Day is a reminder of that. A democratic Germany is a reminder of that. A France that doesn't speak German is a reminder of that. The existence of a Jewish population on planet Earth is a reminder of that. Okay, Anywhere that people live free, it's basically as an effect of the presence of the United States on this Earth. D-Day is a reminder of that. Thank God for the United States. Thank God for the men and women of the United States who are brave enough to stand for values. Thank God for a United States that continues to maintain the highest traditions of liberty. We'll get to a little bit more of this, and then we'll get to the other news of the day. First, 
let me tell you something about personal security. So I am deeply concerned about personal security. I receive death threats on a regular basis. Just a few weeks back, the FBI arrested somebody for making death threats against me, among other people. And that's why I take my home security incredibly seriously, which is why I work with Ring. Ring's mission is to make neighborhoods safer. You might already know about their smart video doorbells and cameras that protect millions of people everywhere. Ring helps you stay connected to your home anywhere in the world. So if there's a package delivery or a surprise visitor, you'll get an alert. You'll be able to see, hear, and speak to them all from your phone. That's thanks to HD video and two-way audio features on Ring devices. As a listener, you have a special offer on a Ring starter kit available right this moment with a video doorbell, motion-activated floodlight cam. The starter kit has everything you need to start building that ring of security around your home. All you have to do is go to ring.com slash Ben. That is ring.com slash Ben. I love my Ring video doorbell among its other products. And I know that when I'm away from home and somebody rings the doorbell, I can pick up my phone, see exactly who is there, determine whether this person is somehow a problem or not. Ring.com slash Ben. Go make your house more secure. Go make your home more secure. Build that ring of security. Ring.com slash Ben. For a special deal, ring.com slash Ben. Okay, so President Trump was speaking in Normandy on D-Day. And he gave what I thought was a terrific speech uh, in Normandy. He's, again, the media malfeasance is so ridiculous. So the media tried to suggest today that President Trump was the reason that he, he was doing an interview on Fox. And this was supposedly the reason why, he, why, why the activities went off late, that the activities were supposed to go off at a particular time. They did not go off at their proper time because supposedly Trump was delaying everything so he could do an interview on Fox. And then later they mentioned, oh, yeah, by the way, Trump finished that interview on Fox and Emmanuel Macron, the president of France, still had not arrived. So it was really Macron who was late. It was not Trump who was late. OK, the, the original tweet about this, that it was Trump who had delayed D-Day, the ceremony at D-Day, because I guess he doesn't care enough. He's just in it for the Fox News and all this. That stuff went viral. Obviously, the follow up clarifying that it was not Trump's fault that activities started late. That didn't go nearly as viral. Well done by our, our journalistic firefighters once again. Anyway, President Trump gave what I thought was a very, very good speech on D-Day in Normandy, 75th anniversary. Today, as we stand together upon this sacred earth, we pledge that our nation will forever be strong and united. We will forever be together. Our people will forever be bold. Our hearts will forever be loyal. And our children and their children will forever and always be free. Yeah, well, again, President Trump is right there. Thank God, as always, for the United States of America. Thank God for the United States of America. D-Day is a great reminder of that. And it's a reminder that we ought to be the kind of Americans worthy of fighting for, that our rights are worth preserving, that the Constitution of the United States, which was the oath that Americans swore to uphold, that 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 Constitution is worth protecting and defending. The rights in the Constitution ought to be viewed as sacrosanct. And that our era of grave sensitivity, I think, needs to be held up against the heroism of past generations and against the heroism of today's members of the military who are out there defending our rights to be idiots every single day. Okay, meanwhile, in other news, speaking of the, the sort of era of sensitivity, YouTube is now cracking down on any creator who offends somebody. This is basically what we have learned over the past 24 to 48 hours. You don't have to violate YouTube's terms of service in order for them to penalize you if you whine enough. So if you whine a lot, you can get YouTube to pull down creators' videos, thousands of creators' videos. If you whine a lot and claim that you are a victim and suggest that you are being harassed, well then, you know, your whininess is bravery. Your whininess is great. This was pushed by a guy named Carlos Maza. So Carlos Maza is a commentator 
and basically an activist over at Vox. He used to work for Media Matters, which tells you exactly what he sees his job as being. The fact that he is considered a journalist is ridiculous. He is not a journalist. He's an activist. He's a pseudo-journalist. And so he has been pushing this idea that Steven Crowder, uh, a person with whom I am friends, he's a comedian. I don't always love everything that he says in the pursuit of comedy, but he's a comedian. And he has made fun of Carlos Maza by doing something that he does on a routine basis to many people. Every time I'm on his show, he makes Jewish jokes. He calls his lawyer, half Asian lawyer, Bill Richmond. He talks about, he had a producer named Jared. He used to call him not gay Jared. He has a producer who he calls quarter black. I can't remember the name of his producer. Like this is just a running shtick on his show. Well, he referred to Carlos Maza as a, as a, as a queer. Okay, so the reason that I'm saying the word is because I'm not sure exactly what the context is for when this is appropriate. Like Carlos Maza calls himself queer, but if, if Steven Crowder says the word queer, then it's obviously some sort of insult according to Carlos Maza. So I'm not sure what the rules are because the rules change every five seconds or so. Suffice it to say, I would not say that about Carlos Maza because that's not a word that I use, even if Carlos Maza uses the word about himself. In any case, Carlos Maza cut together a bunch of clips of Steven Crowder making fun of him because Steven Crowder makes fun of humans. And Carlos Maza then complained that this amounted to harassment. It does not. If people making fun of you amounted to harassment, I would be deeply harassed every day. I am not. People are just basically making fun of me, and that's fine. I mean, you want to make fun of me? Enjoy. I'm in the public square. That's the price of being in the public square. Get over it. Grow a thicker skin. So Carlos Maza couldn't take it, so he started tweeting about how Steven Crowder was harassing him and how he should be ripped down off of YouTube. And YouTube then replied, and they said, we take allegations of harassment seriously, and they said, our team spent the last few days conducting an in-depth review of the videos flagged to us. And while we found language that was clearly hurtful, the videos as posted don't violate our policies. We've included more information below to explain this decision. So then they explain. There was nothing harassing there. Okay, and then Carlos Maza whined an awful lot, and a lot of his allies at Vox, those journalistic firefighters, so much journalisming over at Vox, they whined about it too. The folks at the Daily Beast whined about it. The Washington Post whined about it. All these journalistic firefighters who say that President Trump is trying to crack down on the press, really weird. Suddenly, their interest in the First Amendment went completely out the window. Their interest in basic free speech principles went out the window. Now, let me make a distinction because folks don't. YouTube is a private company. The First Amendment does not apply to YouTube. However, YouTube says that it is an open forum. YouTube says in its policies, that unless you're actually targeting someone for harassment, unless you're actually threatening somebody, they cannot ban your videos. So YouTube held to its own standard originally. And then Carlos Maza went on a rant. And basically because he ranted and whined a lot and suggested that YouTube was now anti-gay for allowing Steven Crowder to post on its forum, that this was an excuse to take down, to take down Steven Crowder. And YouTube basically caved to all of this. Now, I should point out again, Carlos Maza is not a well-intentioned person policing the public space. Carlos Maza is one of the more vile practitioners of censorship. So just about a month ago, not even a month ago, like three weeks ago, he tweeted out, milkshake them all about anybody who disagrees with him. Milkshake them all. Humiliate them at every turn. Make them dread public organizing. Carlos Maza has also defended Antifa. He has a video that has some 1.8 million views on YouTube all about how Antifa is totally fine. Here he is talking about how we shouldn't worry about Antifa, a violent group that targets people for violence. 
Antifa, short for anti-fascist. It's an umbrella term for a group that shows up at protests to confront neo-Nazis and white supremacists. They dress in all black, they wear masks, and they occasionally engage in violence. Once again, Antifa members attack peaceful demonstrators. The group's tactics and appearance have garnered them a lot of media attention over the past few months. America is waking up to the menace of Antifa. They're known as Antifa, and they're also known for being violent. But for a group that's getting so much airtime for being violent and dangerous, they're not causing that much havoc. Antifa look scary, but they make up a tiny part of the protests they show up at. Oh, so they're nothing, right? So, so this guy who says that Steven Crowder has to be banned for making mean jokes about him that hurt his feelings and gave his feelings a boo-boo. Steven Crowder and YouTube have to ban YouTube has to ban people now. He's defending Antifa. He's also tweeted out about religious people. You know, he's not bigoted in any way, Carlos Maza. He polices bigotry, except for when he's talking about religious people. Then he tweets out things like this, July 4th, 2015. Quote, it's my religious beliefs is a really convenient way of saying you're not allowed to point out what, what an insane, loathsome bigot I am. So if you're religious and you disagree with Carlos Maza on social values, you're a loathsome bigot now. I mean, the man really is a true delight. And obviously, we should take very seriously his contentions that he is a victim, that he's a deep victim in America's public discourse. So there's only one problem with this, with this Carlos Maza stuff, and that is that Crowder didn't actually violate any of YouTube's policies like any of YouTube's policies. How do I know this? Because YouTube says that he didn't violate any of YouTube's policies. In fact, YouTube put out like a full statement explaining that they did not, but that Crowder didn't do anything to violate their policies. So here is what YouTube said about Crowder. It said, quote, taking a harder look at harassment. There have been a lot of questions over the last few days about our policies on harassment, particularly around two YouTube creators, Carlos Maza and Steven Crowder. These are important issues, and we'd like to provide more details and context than is possible in any one string of tweets. Now, the reason they had to put out this statement is because their original take on this was Crowder didn't violate policies, but also we are going to demonetize him, meaning that when you watch a YouTube video, at the beginning of each video, there's usually an ad. The creators get a portion of that ad money. If you demonetize, then you take the money away from those YouTube creators. They demonetized Crowder, and then they made some excuses about him selling some sort of offensive shirt, and this is why they're doing this. And then they shifted again. They said, well, it really wasn't about the offensive shirt. It's about sort of the totality of everything that Crowder has done. So this necessitated YouTube putting out a full statement. You will see the Orwellian nature of this statement in just one second. We'll talk about it in a second. First, let's talk about how hard it is to find a new job. It's really rough sometimes to find a new job because you've got to post on a bunch of job boards and you have to look through the classifieds and all of that sort of stuff. Well, what if instead you had your own personal recruiter to help you find a better job? Now, ZipRecruiter's technology can do that for you. Just download the ZipRecruiter job search app. Let it know what kind of jobs you're interested in. Its technology starts doing the work for you. The ZipRecruiter app finds jobs you'll like and then puts your profile in front of employers who may be looking for somebody just like you. If an employer likes your profile, ZipRecruiter lets you know. So if you're interested in the job, you can then apply. It's no wonder that ZipRecruiter is the number one rated job search app. It works great for employers. It works great for employees. I mean, we use ZipRecruiter here at The Daily Wire. And should people on this show perform badly today, I promise you will be on ZipRecruiter and their app tonight. My listeners should download the free ZipRecruiter job search app today. Let the power of technology work for you. Don't wait. The sooner you download the free ZipRecruiter job search app, the sooner it can help you find a better job. Why be stuck at that job that you're at because you don't have the time to look for another one? ZipRecruiter makes it happen for you right now. Go down that, download that free ZipRecruiter job search app right now. Upgrade your job just as employers are looking for great employees like you. Okay, so YouTube finally has to put together a comprehensive statement explaining why they have demonetized why they have demonetized Steven Crowder. And here is what they say. They say, there have been a lot of questions over the last few days about our policies on harassment, 
Since YouTube started 14 years ago, we have focused on providing a platform where anyone can broadcast themselves, connect with people, and share their voices and their experiences with the world. This has brought a lot of good. Like Julesy, who founded the hashtag Smart Brown Girl movement to empower women of color, or MatPat, a gaming creator, who along with his fans and others, other creators, raised over $200,000 to combat mental illness. But it has also created many challenges. One of the most important issues we face is around harassment. We enforce our policies here rigorously and regardless of the creator in question. In the first quarter of 2019, we removed tens of thousands of videos and accounts for violation of our policies on cyberbullying and harassment. We also removed hundreds of millions of comments, many of which were flagged and removed due to harassment. That said, policies need to keep up with current problems. So they're saying, you know, we've done a pretty good job of removing harassment, but the way we define harassment is somebody in targeted fashion is trying to harm somebody, not somebody made a joke about somebody. Here's, and they continue by explaining. That said, policies need to keep up with current problems. One particular challenge we face more and more these days is creator-on-creator harassment. It's an issue that Susan addressed in her latest creator letter. We update our policies on an ongoing basis to make sure they're current. Just today, we took another step in our fight against hate speech and our responsibility to reduce the spread of harmful borderline content. Now, we'll talk about this in a second. YouTube's new policies are, of course, extraordinarily vague. They do not make clear what their standard is. I am fine with a transparent standard so we all know whether we wish to post on a forum that bans certain types of speech or not. What I am not fine with is YouTube's fuzzy line, which is the same fuzzy line apparently held by both Facebook and Twitter as well. They say, as mentioned, one of our upcoming projects will re-examine our harassment policy as well. As an open platform, says YouTube, we sometimes host opinions and views that many, ourselves included, may find offensive. These could include edgy stand-up comedy routines, a chart-topping song, or a charged political rant, and more. Short moments from these videos spliced together paint a troubling picture, but individually, they don't always cross the line. So this sounds like this is going to be a defensive Crowder, because what Maza did is he took a bunch of clips over the course of probably a year of Crowder's program, spliced them together in a minute 25, and then suggested that Crowder is attacking him every single day and targeting him for harassment, not just making jokes about videos that Maza has done himself. And you can literally do this for anybody, right? It is not difficult to go through any creator's or comedian's content and splice together some stuff that makes them look bad. For example, it's not hard for me to make a bunch of comedians look bad for ripping President Trump in the most vile possible way. Like, like we could just do this, for example. You talk like a sign language gorilla who got hit in the head. In fact, the only thing your mouth is good for is being Vladimir Putin's holster. You know, Ivanka, that's a beautiful photo of you and your child. But let me just say, one mother to another, do something about your dad's immigration practices, you feckless c And obviously, I, I hope India and Pakistan don't go to war. But if they did go to war, it would probably be the most entertaining war of all time, yeah? because the Indian soldiers would run out on the battlefield and they'd be like, time for you to die. Okay, so you, you can do all that on you. It's not hard to clip these things together is all that I'm saying. It's not hard to come up with clips from like Stephen Colbert's show in which they make a joke about Dana Lash, my friend Dana Lash from the NRA, getting shot, right? That's not hard to find. The liberal media wants you to believe that the NRA doesn't deserve its nonprofit status just because we make a profit. But here's the thing. If you take away our tax-exempt status, how would we continue our great charity work? Arming stray cats who live on the mean streets. Isn't that right, Cinnamon? Now run along. You're safe now.
It's funny, see, because you're getting shot by a cat. You know, that, that sort of stuff is fine. Family guy making gay jokes every five seconds, making ridiculous anti-Jewish jokes. I mean, the, the kind of humor that is used on Family Guy with regard to Jews is about as close to the line of anti-Semitism as it is possible to be without being considered fully anti-Semitic. All that stuff is fine on YouTube, and it's not hard to find this sort of content, ever. It's very easy to find this sort of content. And the answer to it, mostly, is get over it. The answer to it, unless it is somebody who is publishing your home address, threatening you with death, is grow a thicker skin, pansies. Like, get over it. And that's true for everyone, right? That is true for people on the right. It is true for people on the left. It doesn't matter. I'm not, this is not a specific reference to Carlos Maza. It's true for everyone. If you get hit and people are insulting you and then you call for censorship, this is the problem. Now, you can be offended, right? You can get upset. That's understandable. But you calling for censorship from a tech company, from a social media company, because you don't like that people are making fun of you? Yeah, stop whining. So YouTube basically acknowledges that they do not actually have a rationale for going after Crowder. Their statement continues. There are two key policies at play here, harassment and hate speech. For harassment, we look at whether the purpose of the video is to incite harassment, threaten, or humiliate an individual, or whether personal information is revealed. We consider the entire video. For example, is it a two-minute video dedicated to going after an individual? A 30-minute video of political speech where different individuals are called out a handful of times. Is it focused on a public or a private figure? For hate speech, we look at whether the primary purpose of the video is to incite hatred toward or promote supremacism over a protected group or whether it seeks to incite violence. To be clear, using racial, homophobic, or sexist epithets on their own would not necessarily violate either of these policies. For example, as noted above, lewd or offensive language is often used in songs and comedic routines. It's when the primary purpose of the video is hate or harassment. And when videos violate these policies, we remove them. Now, it is true that Steven Crowder did not engage in either harassment or hate speech by these standards. He did not intend to incite harassment or threaten or humiliate an individual. He made a couple of jokes over the course of a year, maybe seven or eight jokes over the course of a year, about Carlos Maza being gay and Latino. Hey, that may not be funny to you. You may not like those jokes. You may find those jokes offensive. That does not constitute harassment, and it certainly does not constitute hate speech. The purpose of the video was not to incite violence toward or promote supremacism over Latinos or gay folks. So YouTube basically acknowledges this. They say, not everyone will agree with the calls we make. Some will say we haven't done enough. Others will say we've gone too far. Sometimes a decision to leave an offensive video on the site will look like us defending people who have used their platforms and audiences to bully, demean, marginalize, or ignore others. If we were to take all potentially offensive content down, we'd be losing valuable speech. Speech that allows people everywhere to raise their voices, tell their stories, question those in power, and participate in the critical cultural and political conversations of our day. And here's where you get to the crux of the matter. And this is so incredible. It's so incredible because YouTube basically now goes full Orwell. Now they go base, they, they just shift the meaning of words, they change the meaning of language, and they effectively admit they have no rationale for demonetizing Crowder or censoring people, and yet they're going to do it anyway if people yell at them loud enough. That's not really an, inac an inaccurate synopsis of what they say in this following paragraph. Quote, even if a creator's content doesn't violate our community guidelines, we will take a look at the broader context and impact. And if their behavior is egregious and harms the broader community, we may take action. Okay, what do those words even mean? Those are words that have no meaning. If a creator's content doesn't violate our community guidelines, we will still take a look at the broader context and impact. What the hell does that mean? Okay, are you going to look at Bernie Sanders' video? Take into account the fact that somebody who liked Bernie Sanders shot up a bunch of Congress people and go, well, you know, there's a broader context and impact. I guess we've got to take down Bernie Sanders now. 
In the case of Crowder's channel, says YouTube, a thorough review over the weekend found that individually, the flagged videos did not violate our community guidelines. All right, so he should be done here, right? No, wrong you are. In a second, I will explain how YouTube then openly engages in the heckler's veto and makes room for people yelling at them to effectively change YouTube's internal policy. But first, with the ever-increasing numbers of car makes and models, it's now impossible to stock all the parts you need in a traditional chain storefronts. I mean, have you ever gone to one of these auto parts stores and you need a particular price and then you have to endure pointless, ridiculous questions like, is your Odyssey an LX or an EX? And then you wait while the counterman orders the parts on his computer and then it turns out he only has like one type of part on the computer. Well, here's the good news. You have a computer and that computer has access to the internet and the internet has access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Rockauto.com is a family business. They've served auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com, shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. They have amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car is ever gonna need, rockauto.com. So go check them out right now, rockauto.com. See all the parts available for your car or truck. Write Shapiro in their How Did You Hear About Us box so that they know that we sent you. And then make sure that you shop at rockauto.com because again, why would you go to a store that doesn't have the parts that you need at a more expensive price? Instead, go check out rockauto.com right now. Okay, in just a second, I'm gonna show you how YouTube has destroyed its own standards in the name of the leftist heckler's veto. First, you need to go subscribe. So today, I need to make a special subscriber pitch, okay? Here's the deal. The reason you need to subscribe to the show is not just because you get all the additional benefits, the two additional hours of me in the afternoon, or because you want, for some odd reason, Michael Knowles' show, or even because for $99 a year, you get this, the very greatest in beverage vessels, the leftist here's hot or cold tumbler. The real reason that you need to subscribe is because there are militant, nasty, bad people out there, people like Carlos Maza, who are intent every day at tearing down our capacity to disseminate a message with which they disagree. There are people like Media Matters every day who are watching this show, just looking for excuses to try and get social media companies to penalize us or to go after our advertisers and to attack our advertisers. Every day, there are folks in the mainstream media who are scheming to try and disrupt the dissemination of information with which they do not agree. They've done this to not just me. They've done this to Steven Crowder. They've done it to Tucker Carlson. They've done it to Laura Ingram. They've done it to Sean Hannity. They've done it to Rush Limbaugh. They've done it to everyone. Everyone who is remotely right of center, and it doesn't even have to be somebody who is openly Republican. They've done this to Dave Rubin. They've done this to, they, they've, they've done it to Jordan Peterson. They will try to do it to Joe Rogan. Every creator that you like is under the gun from the leftist woke scolds who are interested not in an exchange of ideas, but in shutting down ideas they don't like. You'll notice that the Tumblr that we give you with this subscription is the leftist tiers hot or cold Tumblr. You notice, you notice what it doesn't say. I insisted on this, really. It does not say liberal tiers. The reason it does not say liberal tiers is because I said I would not sell a mug that said upon it liberal tiers. Why? Because liberals and leftists are not the same. Liberals are people with whom I disagree on tax rates and social policy and the role of government. Leftists are people who want to shut down the debate because they believe that the only way to reorder society is to prevent people from speaking freely who disagree with them. The only way to fight those people is to directly monetize the shows that you like. So I'm not just going to encourage you to subscribe to Daily Wire today so that you can ensure that our content is brought direct to you and that we can't be shut off by the YouTubes of the world or the Facebooks of the world or the Twitters of the world and ensure that if people go after our advertisers, we can still continue to function. Listen, we have great advertisers. They are folks who advertise on a wide range of programs. They don't agree with everything that we say, and that's fine, that's good. 
I don't think they should only advertise on shows with which they agree. We have great advertisers. But the fact is that the left has tried to intimidate advertisers into pulling money out of programs that they don't like. Instead of just saying, don't watch Shapiro if you don't like Shapiro, they go after people who advertise on the program deliberately in order to prevent anybody from being able to monetize content that they don't like, in order to prevent advertisers from being able to reach you, the audience. Well, the way to make sure that we can continue bringing you the content that you actually want is to subscribe. So today, don't just subscribe to dailywire.com. Go over and subscribe to Blaze TV. Go over and subscribe to Fox Nation. Go over and subscribe to... Joe Rogan, subscribe to Dave Rubin, subscribe to anybody whose content you like because your contribution to them ensures that they do not have to worry as much about the possibility of their livelihood being taken away from them by nasty cusses who believe that if they are mildly offended, they get to change the rules of debate. So please go subscribe right now. Also, I will note that when you subscribe, you do get all these great benefits. You get all sorts of great stuff. We have a fantastic Sunday special this Sunday with Senator Ted Cruz who stopped by for the full hour, as Larry King would say. In our house, you know, it wasn't that politics was something you just kind of read the paper and, oh, that's interesting. I mean, there was an urgency to it. it. It was having principled men and women in office. That's how you protect yourself from tyranny. And, and so that's what I wanted to do my whole life. So the show's really good. Ted's a really interesting guy. When you get behind the scenes with him, he's even more an interesting guy than he is very often. On camera, I think that this is a pretty good inter revealing interview where we covered a lot of ground. You can go check that out. Listen, we're working hard to bring you content every day. We really appreciate you subscribing. It really does make the difference for us. Go over and subscribe, $9.99 a month, $99 a year over at dailywire.com. Also, make sure that you do watch us over at YouTube or iTunes. You know, thank God we're still available on YouTube. So please disseminate our videos widely. Make sure that people actually see them because this is part of how you exercise your right to free speech. We are the largest, fastest growing conservative podcast and radio show in the nation. All right, so back to YouTube's actual final word here. So they note openly that Crowder does not violate their community guidelines. And then they get to the punchline, quote, however, in the subsequent days, we saw the widespread harm to the YouTube community resulting from the ongoing pattern of egregious behavior, took a deeper look and made the decision to suspend monetization. In order to be considered for reinstatement, all relevant issues with the channel need to be addressed, including any videos that violate our policies, as well as things like offensive merchandise. In the coming months, we'll be taking a hard look at our harassment policies with an aim to update them, just as we have to so many policies over the years, in consultation with experts, creators, journalists, and those who have themselves been victims of harassment. We are determined to evolve our policies and continue to hold our creators and ourselves to a higher standard. So in other words, Crowder didn't violate their standards, so we're going to create new standards. And the new standards is if you bitch enough, then we'll change our rules. If you whine enough, then we'll change our rules and we'll go specifically after creators you don't like. The squeaky wheel gets the grease is the new YouTube rule on harassment. So it doesn't matter if somebody was just making a joke about you. If I do a Chris Matthews impersonation and he gets mad and then he whines about it to YouTube, presumably YouTube will then take a look at the widespread harm to the YouTube community resulting from the ongoing pattern of egregious behavior. This is what they'll, could, could it get any vaguer than that, by the way? They can't explain why a single video violates the policy, but it's the, it's the widespread harm. How did they measure the widespread harm? Hmm? How is that measured? Because I don't see the metric. When they say widespread harms, they mean we got a lot of phone calls. Because if so, who cares? Or lots of people tweeted things about us. Ooh, I'm sure they were all going to stop using YouTube. I'm sure that there was going to be a massive revenue hit from creators who stopped using YouTube and started going to Vimeo 
from people who love Carlos Maza. Yeah, I'm sure that was the big the move. What was the widespread harm? Were there streets filled with pitchfork-wielding, anti-gay, anti-Latino protesters who are attempting to harm gay and Latino people across the land because Steven Crowder made a few jokes about Carlos Maza? Where was the huge harm? I mean, this is wimp crap. It really is. And not just on the part of Carlos Maza, but on the part of YouTube. The YouTube creators. I have very little faith in our social media tech overlords to do the right thing here if they're going to cave like this. It's very reminiscent of what's been happening on college campuses, where college campuses just deny invites to people who are part of the mainstream discourse because a bunch of people whine about it and suggest that they're going to get mad. The whiniest people in America are now running the ship when it comes to big tech and social media. And free marketeers like me, who are against censorship, not only on social media, but censorship of social media, people who don't want to see government come in and regulate companies like YouTube or Facebook or Twitter. I believe these are private companies. Now, people like me are going to be pushed into the hard position of having to decide whether Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act ought to be changed, or the Communications Act, whether that, whether that act ought to be changed specifically to make a harder distinction between publishers and platforms. Whether or not, if YouTube is now going to be a publisher, meaning they are going to censor everything that goes up in the same way that I censor things that go up on my website. If this is their role, maybe they shouldn't be given the same sort of legal exemptions as an AT&T on a phone line. Because we're now edging into territory where without any clear standard, without any transparency, this sort of star chamber, as Ted Cruz has called it, of social media can decide on a backfilled rationale to simply demonetize things. How unclear are these standards, by the way? They're so unclear that a bunch of people who were reporting on white supremacy have now been banned from YouTube. So one guy's name is Ford Fisher. He's an independent journalist and co-founder of NewsToShare.com. He covers fringe political events. He is not engaged in white supremacy. He reports on it. His account was basically banned. Okay, and then Carlos Maza whined about it. Why can't YouTube just ban Crowder? Why are they banning people I like too? Well, maybe because once you call for censorship, that cat is out of the bag. This one's on you, buddy. It's amazing to watch as all of our journalistic firefighters rush to defend YouTube's action here. We'll get to more of this in just one second. And the journalistic firefighters are defending this sort of action. BuzzFeed says, YouTube has begun blocking discriminatory content just a day, discriminatory content just a day after saying it doesn't violate its policies. Ryan Broderick, who is policing this thing all day. One of the things you'll notice about a lot of the journalists, so-called journalists from BuzzFeed or Vox or any of these other supposed journalistic institutions, is what they do is they use journalism to hide their activism. So, for example, anytime a show like Tucker Carlson's or Laura Ingram's or my show is attacked, one of the things that you will see is Huffington Post immediately go seeking comment from advertisers. The reason they are doing this is not because they actually need a comment from advertisers. The reason they are doing this is because they are deliberately trying to foster a story that advertisers support my speech or Tucker's speech or Laura's speech or Sean Hannity's speech or anybody else's speech. They're trying to say that if an advertiser advertises on both this podcast and Pod Save America, it's not that they're trying to reach a diverse audience of people who disagree on a lot of issues. No, it must be that they are specifically endorsing my positions on the issues. Now, that's a great lie. It's a tremendous lie. But the reason that Huffington Post will reach out to the advertisers is to say, do you really want to support that message? Now, what advertisers should say, and many do, as they should, is we advertise on a wide range of programs. We don't agree with everything Shapiro says, just as we don't agree with everything on Pod Save America. We're a kibble brand, right? We sell dog food. All we want to do is reach customers. But the purpose of these media hit artists 
is to go after the advertisers to destroy the very way that it's possible to bring these programs to you in the first place. They've done this to talk radio routinely for years. One of the so-called journalists doing this yesterday was Ryan Broderick, who was keeping a running tally of all the YouTube creators who had been blocked in quasi-celebratory fashion. And then he writes this up for BuzzFeed News. YouTube announced Wednesday it will prohibit videos that promote discrimination or segregation based on things like age, gender, race, caste, religion, sexual orientation, and veteran status. By the way, I have serious doubts that anti-Christian content on YouTube is going to suddenly be blocked or demonetized. And YouTube has still not answered questions like, okay, if there's a pastor who talks about natural law and same-sex marriage, is that person going to be blocked? But according to BuzzFeed News, the announcement comes just a day after the video platform was criticized for how it handles anti-gay content. Thousands of channels are expected to be affected by the policy change shortly. Note, one guy complained, thousands of creators will be affected now. Perhaps we have gone too far in the direction of taking into account people's wheelings, people's feelings. We should have told these people to call the wambulance. Instead, we have our tech overlords catering to them. It's pathetic. The announcement identified several kinds of videos that will now be prohibited on the platform. They say this would include, for example, videos that promote or glorify Nazi ideology, which is inherently discriminatory. Finally, we will remove content denying that well-documented violent events like the Holocaust or the shooting at Sandy Hook Elementary took place, according to YouTube. As the policy started to take effect on Wednesday, creators chaotically started tweeting screenshots of emails from YouTube, notifying them they were in violation of the new policy. There's a bunch of folks who have been hit by this, including Jesse Lee Peterson, who is a conservative black minister. Gavin McInnes had videos removed from his channel. Count Dankula had videos removed from his channel. YouTube is starting at the fringes, and then they are moving more into sort of the mainstream of views that they don't like. So they start with the people who it's harder to defend, and then they move toward people whom it is easier to defend. BuzzFeed reports, the rollout of YouTube's new policy has been wildly confusing, to say the least. The Google-owned video platform first announced that it would be demonetizing Crowder's channel on Wednesday. In a tweet, the platform said Crowder would no longer be able to run ads on his channel due to a pattern of egregious accounts that has harmed the broader community. YouTube later clarified that Crowder's channel would have the ad restrictions removed if he deleted a link to t-shirts he was selling that read, Socialism is for bleeps. Okay, bleeps is, is the F word for gay people. But that's not what the, the, the shirt doesn't actually say that. It says socialism is for figs. There's a picture of a fig in the middle of the word. Just a day earlier, YouTube had said that Crowder's near-constant harassment of Maza did not violate its policy. I love this, near-constant harassment. Crowder puts out hours of content every day. Over the course of a year, he mentioned Maza probably 10 times. You cut that together, and it's now near-constant harassment. And now, it's going to get worse. YouTube says in January, we pi here's, where it's, here's where all of this is going, okay? And here's why the left cares about all of this. They don't care about the so supposed harassment of Carlos Maza. They don't care about the supposed mean jokes that, that create an aura and an emanation from a penumbra of harm. Here's what they really care about. What they really care about is making YouTube into a functionary of the mainstream media. This is what they actually want. Here's what YouTube has said. Quote, in January, we piloted an, up, piloted an update of our systems in the United States to limit recommendations of borderline content and harmful misinformation, such as videos promoting a phony miracle cure for a serious illness or claiming the earth is flat. We're looking to bring this updated system to more countries by the end of 2019. And then they say that they are moving toward videos from authoritative sources. YouTube says it also plans to make videos from authoritative sources appear higher up in its Watch Next panel. So instead of their algorithm recommending videos that you might like, so if you watch a video of me, you might end up at a video of Jordan Peterson or vice versa. Instead, 
They want videos from authoritative sources. Which authoritative sources? Hmm, let's think. You think maybe YouTube is going to benefit, hmm, like, you know, some of the podcasts that it likes, like the Young Turks, or maybe they will benefit Vox, or maybe they will benefit BuzzFeed. Maybe their authoritative sources will be, you know, the New York Times and CNN, but not anything from Fox News, of course. Social media is being prepped for 2020. In the end, that's what this is all about. This is not about making a better public square. This is not about cleansing the public square of things that make people feel icky. This is simply about YouTube and Facebook and Twitter knowing that come 2020, the blowback from the Democrats is going to be extreme if people are allowed to express their views. You've already seen it. Nancy Pelosi has already said, blamed Facebook, said Facebook was willing, a willing participant in Russian propaganda in 2016. All the social media tech bros are coming together to put together a plan that basically says, if it's anywhere not to the left, it is no longer authoritative. Watch for content to be downgraded. We are watching a ground shift in the openness of social media platforms and the internet. It is politically driven. It is obvious that it is politically driven. It is not an honest standard being applied. It's not even transparent. It's obvious what is happening right here. And so the solution is going to be the building of alternatives and you subscribing at places like Daily Wire, outlets you actually care about. Because pretty soon, these tech companies are going to knuckle under because, frankly, they agree with the political priorities of the people criticizing them. So why would they stand up for the political priorities of people who don't, even if it violates their supposed free speech principles? Okay, time for some things I like and then some things that I hate. So things that I like today. So there is a, um, a great movie that I referenced a little bit earlier in the week called Sullivan's Travels, a Preston Sturgis movie. Uh, Joel McRae and Veronica Lake, who's just charming in the extreme. My wife and I have been on an old movies kick. So last night, we watched another old movie, Born Yesterday, which is just a terrific film. Sullivan's Travels is really great. The basic premise is that Joel McRae is a director who is sick of producing comedies that people like to watch, and now he wants to produce an important film. And so he decides to go out into the country and do research for this very important film about income inequality and poverty. And what he realizes is that maybe he should stick to his lane because his lane makes people happy, and there's nothing wrong with that. Here's a little bit of the trailer. I'm going to find out how it feels to be in trouble without friends, without credit, without checkbook, without name, alone. And I'll go with you. How could I be alone if you're with me? Sullivan's Travels, the side-splitting story of a $4,000 a week big shot who turns hobo for experience and gets more than he bargained for. You better drop me at the next corner and take this bus back where you stole it from. Don't talk nonsense. I left a note saying I was taking the car. Or did I? Be nice if you could remember. that is well whatever it is there's absolutely nothing they can do remember that the movie is the movie's really terrific uh, it, it's well worth watching and again it's a reminder that hollywood used to be a little bit more self-aware <laughs> hollywood used to recognize that maybe the social justice warrior kind of stuff is not their mandate uh, the, the the movie is is well worth watching sullivan's travels it's also the source of the the george clooney coen brothers movie oh brother where art thou that's the name of the movie that, that Joel McRae's director wants to create, oh brother, where art thou? Okay, time for a couple of things that I hate. So I'm not sure the last time that David Crosby was relevant. Apparently, he was a singer at one point. A um, little bit old for me, I guess. Um, but in any case, he got a letter from a woman who said that her husband voted for Trump. They've been married for like 40 years, so he recommended they get divorced. Yeah, I, there's nothing wrong with the lefty brain at this point. Hi, Cross. I've been married to my husband for 40 years, and I love him dearly. He's a good man and a good husband. My only problem is he's become a diehard Trump supporter. Dun, 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 dun. 
is driving me completely insane, naturally. How can any otherwise rational man support that moron? Would it be crazy to end my marriage over political difference? Mm -hmm. I feel your pain. The guy's a snake oil salesman. It's a scam. You have to be pretty stupid to buy it. So I can't say any positive stuff about your husband. You might want to be looking around for somebody else. Okay, maybe he's half joking, maybe he's not. That's a ridiculous statement. Now, I've always said that people should marry people who share values. And very often, values means sharing politics. But if you've been married 40 years and you probably have kids and grandkids together, the fact that your husband and you disagree about Donald Trump, I think it's a pretty bad excuse to break up a marriage. Okay, other things that I hate today. So Nancy Pelosi told Democrats, apparently behind closed doors, that she wants to see President Trump in prison. She says that she, she clashed, apparently, with House Judiciary Chairman Jerry Nadler. She met with Nadler and several other top Democrats who are aggressively pursuing investigations. Nadler pressed Pelosi to allow his committee to launch an impeachment inquiry against Trump. She said no. She said she's not open to the idea of impeaching Trump at this time. She said, I don't want to see him impeached. I want to see him in prison, which, of course, is somewhat mutually exclusive since he will not end up in prison at the hands of Democrats unless he actually ends up losing his job. Instead of impeachment, Pelosi still prefers to see Trump defeated at the ballot box and then prosecuted for his alleged crimes. I love how the Democrats have moved from it is evil for the president of the United States, for, for the, a candidate for president, to say about another candidate, lock her up. So terrible, so evil, so awful. And there she is telling people that she wants to lock up Donald Trump. What a, what a delight she is. I mean, she's just, she sounds like a charmer. Okay, other things that I hate, final thing that I hate today. So uh, I, I have a lot of respect for Tucker Carlson. I think that Tucker Carlson is a smart guy. Uh, I think that his that he's really, really talented. He and I disagree in very significant way about economics. So a couple of days ago, maybe yesterday, we discussed Elizabeth Warren's economic plans. And I talked about how dumb they were because essentially they call for higher tariffs, greater government expenditures, autarky, an attempt to bring manufacturing back to the country by taxing American citizens, subsidies, massive government intervention. But here's where Tucker and I disagree. Tucker thinks Elizabeth Warren is on the right track. We can navigate the changes ahead if we embrace economic patriotism and make American workers our highest priority, rather than continuing to cater to the interests of companies and people with no allegiance to America. The words you just heard are from, embrace yourself here, Senator Elizabeth Warren of Massachusetts. It's true. Yesterday, Warren released what she called her plan for economic patriotism. Amazingly, that's pretty much what it is. Economic patriotism is just pure, old-fashioned economics, how to preserve good-paying American jobs. She sounds like Donald Trump at his best. Okay, so uh, no, no. She does not sound like Donald Trump at his best. She sounds like Donald Trump at his worst because that's a bunch of pandering crap. You're not going to make American industry great again through tariffs and subsidies. And Tucker is, is a big government interventionist when it comes to certain political priorities. And then he goes so far as to suggest that American Republicans are libertarians in government and sort of libertines when it comes to social policy. I'm not seeing the evidence of that at all, considering that Republicans are spending like drunken sailors on shore leave. I mean, the Republican, the Republican Party are spending at exorbitant rates. They are not scaling back regulation at nearly the pace that libertarians want. If you think this Republican Party is libertarian, I would urge you to look at their actual record. It has not been libertarian in the slightest. If Tucker is agreeing with Elizabeth Warren, I think a good rule of thumb is if you agree with Elizabeth Warren, you're probably wrong. So... I, again, I think this goes to Tucker's view of the economy. If you're more interested in, in sort of that debate, Tucker and I had this very broad-ranging discussion on the Sunday special. You can go back and listen to that episode because we covered some of the same topics. Suffice it to say that while Tucker and I agree on the social dangers of the left and the left priorities, 
I don't think that seizing the ring of power that is government is likely to cure all of those ills, nor do I think that growing the government for the benefit of certain folks at the expense of other folks is either good policy or in traditional classical liberal and classically American economic history. All righty. We'll be back here a little bit later today with two additional hours. I want to remind you, please go subscribe. It helps insulate us against the stupidities and censorship of the left. Go do that over at dailywire.com. We'll see you here tomorrow. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. The Ben Shapiro Show is produced by Robert Sterling, directed by Mike Joyner, executive producer, Jeremy Boring, senior producer, Jonathan Hay. Our supervising producer is Mathis Glover, and our technical producer is Austin Stevens, edited by Adam Saievitz. Audio is mixed by Mike Coromina. Hair and makeup is by Jesua Olvera. Production assistant, Nick Sheehan. The Ben Shapiro Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2019. Hey, everyone. It's Andrew Claven, host of The Andrew Claven Show. D-Day was 75 years ago today. And for all the sentimental remembrances and heartfelt tributes, it's virtually impossible to recapture or convey the scale and scope of the heroism and sacrifice that was required to begin the rollback of the Nazi conquest. You have to ask yourself, could we do it today? Would we? Why did they fight? Why did they win? And have we lost what it takes to pull off that kind of monumental triumph? We'll talk about it on The Andrew Clavin Show. I'm Andrew Clavin. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, let's say you were a stormtrooper and you were enjoying a nice meal of roasted Ewok in the Death Star mess hall. Well, all of a sudden you hear the voice of Alec Guinness saying, use the force, Luke. The next thing you know, the entire place is going up in flames around you. And it's at this moment you really wished you had life insurance. Make life insurance part of your financial planning this year. Start shopping right now with Policy Genius. Find the right policy and protect your family. Policy Genius makes it easy to compare life insurance quotes from top companies and find your lowest price. Luckily, Policy Genius helps you compare your options from top companies and their team of licensed experts. Well, they're on hand to help talk you through it. No added fees. Your personal information remains private. It's super satisfying to check life insurance off that to-do list. A good life insurance plan can give you peace of mind that if something happens to you, God forbid, your family will be able to cover mortgage payments, college costs, or other expenses. Life insurance through your workplace might not offer enough protection for your family's needs. It's not going to follow you if you leave your job. Head on over to policygenius.com right now. Save time and money. Give your family a financial safety net with Policy Genius. Head on over to policygenius.com slash Shapiro or click that link in the description. Get your free life insurance quotes. See how much you could save. That's policygenius.com slash Shapiro. Hey, 